Welcome to the Center for International and Regional Studies at Georgetown University in Qatar. These podcasts are part of a research initiative titled Building a Legacy, Qatar FIFA World Cup 2022. Welcome everybody. My name is Daniel Reicher and I'm welcoming you to another episode of our Georgetown University Qatar World Cup podcast and we're having another episode where we are reflecting on the World Cup. Last episode was on fan experiences at the World Cup and this time we're talking to members from our GUQ community about working experiences um, in different forms, uh, volunteering, interning, uh, working um, at the World Cup. And we're having five guests um, which I briefly would like to introduce. Uh, first of all, Mohamed Al-Siyara, a student of the class of 2024 who is majoring in international politics. He was part of the guest and protocol team during the FIFA World Cup 2022. Hi, Mohamed. Hello, sir. How are you? Farasha Jalil uh, graduated at Qatar University and works since 2018 as an economics specialist at the Office of Academic Services. She was part of the workforce management team at two stadiums. Hi, Farasha. Hello, doctor. Hi. Um, then we have two students who work with Overseas Leisure Network, an international hospitality company. The first is Jeta Kreka, a student of the class of 2023 who is majoring in international politics and minoring in economics and Arabic. Hi, Jeta. Hello, Professor. And we have Mohamed Neumann, a student of the class of 2024 who is majoring in international politics. Hi, Mohamed. Hello, Professor. And last but not least, I also invited my son, Johan Reicher, a seventh grader at the German International School who was a flag bearer at the World Cup. Hi, Johan. Hello, father. <laughs> so my first question is to everybody. Uh, why were you interested in having a role at the World Cup uh, beyond like just watching the matches? Um, and what exactly um, did you do? Um, Farasha, could you start? Sure. Um, all right. So to be very fair, it was actually my friend, Fahmudana, who was more interested about FIFA and joining as volunteer. So she kind of positively peer pressured me into registering it. So that is like the beginning of the story. So I kind of registered to be a volunteer because of my friend. And luckily it went really well. I got selected and I went on to joining the workforce team at the 974 and Altumama Stadium. So I was part of the workforce management team. What they actually basically does is we work as a human resource department for the volunteers deployed at a particular stadium. So we're the team where they come and log in their hours. So we're responsible for logging, making sure that they're there. And we all have, the volunteers had a FIFA passport. So we kind of stick stamps on it to make sure that it's been properly you know, documented that they're here. They receive their daily gifts and we issue their meal vouchers. And in general, make sure that they know where they're expected to be to meet their team and team leaders. So in general, well-being of the volunteers at the stadium. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you. Yita, what did you do? Uh, well, a lot of things, <laughs> much more than I expected. Um, I initially was interested into, into staying in Qatar during the World Cup for the sake of the atmosphere, because it doesn't happen often that the World Cup is literally taking place in the backyard of your dorms. Uh, considering that the Education City Stadium is literally a five-minute walk from the Education City female housing. 
Um, and so while um, exploring different options of how I could um, participate um, in, in the World Cup in the function of, of a job or a volunteering experience, I came across the company that both me and Mohammed worked with, um, um, Overseas Leisure Network. So I joined um, the uh, logistics and event management team. Um, I was responsible with um, different tasks because um, we were only a few people um, being accounted to to organize things like the logistics of uh, different events, uh, coordinating between the um, uh, clients or tourists that were coming all the way from the United States of America to the hotels in Doha. There were a lot of new procedures that I found out about. It wasn't a normal check-in in hotels and so on. Um, others included just um, uh, hosting people around the city, showing them the most important landmarks and so on. Um, it was thrilling in the sense that it showed us many different colors of Doha that we had not seen before. And also it introduced us to so many people that maybe whose faces I will never remember, but um, they left quite a good impression for, for the time being. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Mohamed, you have been at the same company. Um, what did you do there and why were you interested to, to be with them? Um, just like for us, I was peer pressured into joining the World Cup. Um, you know, it says it's only... It doesn't happen often where, you know, you live in the same country that's hosting the World Cup. So to me, it was an experience that, you know, you simply cannot miss. And um, I was I was working with Overseas Network and um, I was the supervisor of the concierge team. We worked very closely, me and Yeta, because, um, you know, our tasks were very, uh, were very related. You know, I was handling more of like the communications between the company and the, the clients. While, you know, it was handling the logistics, I, you know, I had to, like, um, put out the information to the clients, you know, where to meet, how to meet, how to get there. Um, and, I, and I honestly learned a lot. Um, one of them is probably working under pressure, especially for the first period of the World Cup, you know, when, you know, it was still the group stages and we had, like, all these fans. Uh, the workload was definitely a lot. So, you know, working under pressure, working, you know, many hours, um, working with other people, um, It was, it was definitely an experience, yeah. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Uh, and last but not least, um, from the student side, uh, Mohammed. Um, so I was part of the guest and protocol team. Uh, what that meant is basically uh, any uh, state guests, whether it be ministers of state, um, heads of NGOs, uh, VIPs, whatever uh, you know, their political importance was, if they were uh, you know, classified based on the uh, protocol uh, classification of the country, Uh, or any celebrities, we would uh, basically act as their guides in the country and handle their day-to-day -day affairs. Um, our job was to basically ensure that they get to the um, uh, to their uh, destinations on time and make sure that if there are any issues, we resolve any issues that they are facing at uh, the place of arrival and also from the place of uh, departure. Um, aside from that, we would uh, you know receive them from the airport and take them to the airport to ensure they get on their flight in time and. Uh, ensure they have a smooth, um, enjoyable um, stay in Qatar. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason I took on that role, um, I guess it's um, family uh, peer pressure, to say the least, ironically enough. And aside from that, it's not like uh, Qatar is going to host the World Cup in for the foreseeable future, at least not in the next um, four to six hosting uh, opportunities. Yeah. So it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me. So, Johan, you were a flag bearer at two matches. Um, tell us about your experience. Uh, 
how you were selected and why you were interested to do it and what did you have exactly to do? So yes, I was a flag bearer at two games. Uh, once um, Spain versus Germany and the other one Saudi Arabia versus Poland. I got the two games, one, one, one game through my German school, the German school. They got chosen for that game and other to my dad's work. So yeah. The Germany game I got raffled out of like a lot of names and I was the last person to get pu uh, pulled mm -hmm. and the kindergarten kinders did that for me. Mm. So the games were very fun. I had very nice chaperones. Uh, it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience standing on the pitch, looking up at all the fans and looking at all the players. It was amazing. It was a lot of pressure. I was scared before going on the pitch. And yeah, uh, got a lot of free coke and a lot of free stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a holiday experience, right? I, 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 I think uh, I brought you like in the morning and the match was yes, in the evening. So the so two games, one game, the Saudi... Uh, Poland game was very early in the morning, so I had to go like there like at 10, I remember, I don't know, something like that. And then it just was like five, six hours just sitting there, rehearsing, drinking, eating, changing clothes. And then the Germany game was pretty late, so we met up with my class and the other people were raffled uh, on a parking lot and we drove there like an hour or something. It was very long. And then we just were there like five hours, it was very late. And then the big moments came. I saw all of the football players, Thomas Müller, um, waved to me it was my biggest moment <laughs> and uh, yeah so then we went on the pitch i opened the flag i stood there i had two minutes of glory and i went back in and yeah that was it and at the germany match you had the german flag i believe and at yes. the saudi match you had the fifa flag yes, right? the best flag fifa <laughs> okay that was irony so um so some of my students are in the process of, of graduating uh farasha already works at, at georgetown but um um I mean, to all of you, the question is, uh, what, what do you think did you learn from your work? You already mentioned like to work under pressure. I mean, that's, that's, and how do you hope to benefit from it in your, in your future life? Maybe we do it now the other way around, Mohammed. Um, so what did I learn? Um, I think it's not exactly, I wouldn't say learn, it's more so I've improved a lot of skills. Um, as mentioned, I've learned to work under uh, extreme pressure. Um, because the thing is when we're uh, you know with the guests we're with the guests until they go back to the hotel and then after that um, we have to be there before they have to leave so um, there was very little window for rest so I think I would say I've um, managed to uh, be able to better manage my own time better uh, you know uh, prioritize different tasks just to ensure that things get done um, I've learned uh, I, I suppose um, Uh, co coordination with my team members because I wasn't the only um, handler. There were other handlers I was working with and we had to uh, basically coordinate the times we're going to leave, the times we're going to arrive with our different delegations. Um, usually uh, it, uh, we'd have more than one handler if there is uh, you know, it's one delegation from the same country but different VIPs. So we'd just uh, have it uh, turn into one delegation for the sake of uh, ease of movement. Mm -hmm. Um, aside from that, I would say I've learned to be a, a better diplomat when it comes to handling, uh, you know, different uh, issues or certain uh, problems that may just uh, spike up. I learned that in class, yeah. On, on the journey. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I've learned, I guess, uh, customer experience, you could say, in a sense, but on a more political and diplomatic uh, level. Yeah. Mohamed? Um, <clears throat> so just like Mohammed, um, 
my job, our job scenes are very similar, except that, you know, he's there on the field and, you know, I'm, I'm over the phone or over email. And the, the negative aspect of that is that you can't really read the people that you're talking to on the phone. You know, you don't see their faces, you don't see their body language. So one thing that you definitely learn is, you know, to read people better over the phone, you know, learn problem solving is a big one because obviously, you know, just like Muhammad, we take care of them from the moment they hit the airport, the, the moment they're on Doha till, you know, they leave. So obviously some of them might face problems that they call us, you know, they're seeking our help, obviously. So problem solving is, is a big one. De-escalating the situation is also a big one because not everyone is as nice, of course. So, um, yeah, problem solving and de-escalating. And of course, I was, I was very fortunate to have a to have a mentor that, you know, was able to give us the right process of dealing with these situations. He's Marco, he's the local partner of uh, Overseas Network. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess most of the things that were mentioned were also part of my experience. Uh, but in one way or another, I, I got to, to practice many skills that I learned in Georgetown as well. One of them is multitasking. If here during um, a normal semester, we have to work and write papers and reflection papers and do problem sets and exams and so on. There during the job, um, in one moment you had to take a call, in the other you had to be in the Uber and run to um, solve an issue on the field while also having your laptop open in front of you to fix something on another, uh, another prominent issue and so on. Um, in that regard, it really enhanced my creative and critical thinking at the same time because sometimes there are issues that you don't only need to de-escalate the situation but you need to come up with a creative um, solution so as both parties can leave this conflict satisfied or situation to say at least. Um, management skills I would say were, um, were uh, put in use quite a lot and also enhanced first of all because of the pressure in the first two weeks at the group stages and also then later due to um, the, the, the uh, let's say the, the function of the office itself. We were a couple of people, sometimes um, our managers managed us but at other moments we had to save the day ourselves and in that regard it was um, a very happy moment when um, just one simple phone call that you made or another gesture that you thought of um, really saved the day. Maybe not the World Cup, but in a city where so many people are flooding into and there's so many logistical issues, um, just avoiding that one crisis makes you feel like you're the hero of Doha for that day. Farasha? Uh, I think I would just sum up what everybody has said. Something that has significantly stood out for me was a primary takeaway was um, the soft skills. And it's something that Mohammed said, it's not necessarily we learned something new, but it was like definitely like an improved situation. And a lot of us, I feel like picked up on those interpersonal skills, people skills as we were working. And for me, because I was volunteering in the team of workforce management, it's a huge team. And we are a lot of people with different backgrounds and different area of, of expertise. There are days you show up to work, and this particular day, we already have a leader. The best thing that you can do for the team is to follow instruction. There's another day when you show up to work, maybe you have to take the initiative. So it was the primary idea was to you adjust and adapt based on the situation. And it's like everything is like on the go basis. You show up, you do something, okay, this is what. And it's like that idea of you all are working towards the same goal at the end of the day. 
and you learn and adjust and adapt based on what is required on that particular day. And that is something we can talk about it theoretically, but you know, when you actually put into practice, I feel like that is just like, yeah, real life mm-hmm. in-person learning skill, yeah. Now, beyond beyond the work uh, all of you did, um, were you also able to, to watch World Cup matches? And um, I mean, uh, we all have a nationality uh, that was not successful at the World Cup or not even represented at the World Cup. Yeta is from Albania. So could you still enjoy the World Cup? Could you watch matches? And was there something like like um, favorite moment, uh, be it in your work or in, uh, yeah, you know, when watching the event? Um, Okay. All right. Um, well, India was nowhere near FIFA, so that's like a lost cause at this point. Um, I did got to watch a lot of matches because also because I was stationed at two stadiums, I had more opportunities to so watch. You were nine, seven, four, and Tumana, yeah, two Mana, two beautiful stadiums. Yeah. yeah. So kind of, I think I end up watching like 14 plus games at least. I think. Mm. And um, what is the second question? I forgot. Was it like a favorite moment? Or? Oh yeah. Okay. So the favorite moment was actually like it's actually like. It's small, tiny, like it's a collection of tiny, tiny memories of kindness that people have shown us. Mm-hmm. And that is, that, that these are the things I still cherish, I think, those tiny moments. And I do think that the moment somebody sees it in the volunteering uniform, because as part of the volunteers, it was more apparent for me, there is an added kindness that people show towards us, especially towards the end of World Cup. There were so many times either we were going for the shift or coming back from the shift at like two in the morning. <laughs> Uh, a lot of people, whether it were tourists or security person or policemen, they would actually feel comfortable enough to come towards us. There was an ease of conversation, and they would come and tell us like what, like how much of a great job you guys are doing, and we're so proud of you, so happy that you're doing this. And they were showing like they were so kind in their words and in the appreciation. That is something that these are like tiny, small, small, minute memories that we had, mm-hmm. and that is something I think, yeah, it's been. Something that will stay with us. Yita? Well, as you mentioned, uh, Albania wasn't anywhere close to being qualified. Uh, however, I did get to um, watch the matches between Mexico and Poland, mm-hmm. and then Switzerland and Serbia. And I think that was one of the most special moments for me because um, the captain of the Swiss uh, team um, is Albanian, and also Jordan Shaishiri is Albanian. So they're a big pride of our national identity. So they scored and it was just a bright moment. Um, I've never caught myself screaming louder in Qatar in four years. Uh, and I was so happy to do so. Um, as part of my job, um, I would mention uh, me walking with some of the guests around Sukhwakif and it was the match between Portugal and, um, and uh, Morocco. Um, I have never seen such suspense on the moment people walking into the Berber shop, uh, literally holding all their uh, uh, food bags or stopping life in that single moment because something important was happening. And um, they didn't want to watch on their phones. They didn't want to watch on their laptops. They would find the first screen in front of them. And there were just so many nationalities that you couldn't understand what emotion is each and every person uh, feeling at that point. But it was just beautiful to to witness. And... um, It was one of the first times in my life where I've actually felt what they say about football, that football unites people and brings them together. And in such simple moments of life and in places like Sukhwakif, um, I understood that actually football does bring people together and it's absolutely beautiful. 
Johan, beyond the two matches where you were flag bearer, um, how was the World Cup for you and what was your favorite moment and what will you remember? So I was in six different games um, and every game was phenomenal. The atmosphere was lovely. Everywhere you were in Qatar, no matter where, everybody was cheering on for the team while the game was running. I remember being in the souk with uh, my friend and uh, my father and his friends. And Saudi was playing against Argentina. And we know what happened there. Yeah. And the atmosphere, everybody was like screaming like, yes, oh my God. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was very nice. My favorite moment from where I was in the stadium was um, Japan versus Croatia. The penalties at the end, that was the pressure in the air. And like before that, everybody was like cheering on. The Japan fans were very nice. Everybody was having a good time, except the Japan fans at the end because they lost. But like, still, yeah, and you lovely. were a Japan fan after Germany. Yes, obviously, uh, I wanted didn't that make it to the next round, yeah. I didn't like Spain because I hate them, but yeah. No, we so, don't hate other teams, yeah. We, we, we don't, don't like them, them. Yeah, We don't okay. like them, okay. Yeah. okay. But yeah, at least Japan fought and was close. Maybe we'll see Japan next next World Cup and Germany should win. Mm -hmm. But they won't. Um, Mohamed? Um, so I got to see the Tunisian France match. Um, it happened here in the Education City, and to me that was that was a very memorable match, especially when Tunisia scored like probably like last minute or something. The atmosphere and the way the crowd reacted—it was just—it's nothing that I've ever witnessed before. It's nothing you see in like let's say in the National Day. You know, we see we have a lot of events usually in Qatar that are annual, but the the way the audience expressed themselves. In that moment, you know, when they finally scored that last goal that, you know, made them win France, it was just, to me, it was insane. And um, a moment outside of the stadium was probably, I don't remember the specific match, but it was before a Morocco match. And um, I was driving back from work and, you know, everyone from the cars had either a Moroccan flag or they were honking their their uh, their cars. It was like an, an hour an hour and a half before the match so everyone was you know heading towards the matches and you know everyone had their flags everyone was honking their cars um, that was also a very memorable like moment from the World Cup so um, I actually got to watch uh, four, ma four matches out of uh, of which to wear the semifinals and the final um, and to be honest I wasn't really a huge uh, football person surprisingly enough I was all taking a class with me before <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was uh, a an, an really nice class, I'll have to say. But um, I wasn't ever like that huge on football. I was more so of somebody who enjoyed playing it, less so watching it. But there was something about watching the final, especially the final, and then hoping that Messi wins. There was like this intensity that I was finally beginning to understand why people enjoyed football. You know, it's like... There's hopes and there are dreams that are kind of like bringing people together of like, oh, I want this team to win. And if, you know, that team doesn't win, then, you know, my hopes and dreams of them winning would be, dis you know, shattered, destroyed. Um, and aside from that, um, it's unfortunate that Qatar did get disqualified really early on. Um, however, um, this World Cup, uh, it was... You know, it's one of the last, if not the last World Cup that one single nation will host, and it was an Arab country, and it's the first time a World Cup was in the Middle East, and for me, um, it wasn't only about the football, it was about, you know, this is how we are as Arabs, that's our culture, that's who we are, and 
you know, we're happy to share it. We're happy to introduce who we actually are to you. And you can do that by meeting us and we meet you and we talk. Yeah, exactly. Um, I have a last question to, um, to uh, all of you, but Johan, um, which is uh, since we are a university from Washington, D.C., um, and the next World Cup is in the United States, um, and Canada and Mexico, but most matches will be in, in the U.S. Um, what would you advise your peers in, in, in the U.S.? Uh, so uh, based on your personal experiences, should they look out for the opportunity um, to, to get involved? And um, yeah, <laughs> what would you say your colleagues in, in Washington, D.C.? Uh, who would like to start, Mohammed? Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, um, your tongue would be one of your most important um, weapons to utilize. Um, sometimes things may not go your way, but you have to be really patient uh, and you have to be understanding. And you have to keep in mind that as somebody who was part, uh, you know, on the guest and protocol team, I had to understand that other people did not share my culture or my religion. They didn't um, maybe uh, know my background or understand who I am. And part of um, you know meeting people from the World Cup is, hey, this is my culture, this is who I am, and I would also like to know who you are, right, and what your culture is. So it's a, it's a really um, it's a really nice opportunity, a very important opportunity to be patient, understand other people first and foremost as them being human beings, and then understand their background, their culture. Um, aside from that, you know, it's a networking opportunity. You're going to meet a lot of new people, a lot of different faces. And you know what? Um, capitalize on it. You have nothing to lose. If anything, you have a lot to gain. And most importantly, make sure you have fun. And um, you're probably going to need a bit of rest after that. But it's going to be really fun. Yeah. I also needed some rest. Mohammed. So um, as Mohammed mentioned, it is like a great opportunity to get to know people. Um, through the month and a half or month and 10 days, I've talked to people from very different backgrounds than I am. People from all around the world, the US, Latin America, some are Arab, some are not. So when it comes to like getting to know people and you know getting to know uh, other cultures and other, uh, other people that may not even speak the same language that you do, it's, it's, it's a great, great, great opportunity to get to know people. Also to me, there was a, there was a personal goal. You know, obviously before um, the World Cup, there was a, a vicious attack against Qatar because, you know, they're hosting the World Cup and stuff. So to me, it was an opportunity to at least pay something back to Qatar. I've been here for nine years. Um, I took a lot from Qatar. To me, it was an opportunity to give back because uh, especially working with the concierge team, one of my main roles was to ensure that the client that is coming from Qatar, uh, that's coming from abroad, that has no clue what Qatar is or um, how do we live or what our culture is, I felt it was a it was a great opportunity to ensure that these clients that are most of them are VIPs or VVIPs, so they're very important people. So to me, it was you know maybe that client you know would like the service or would like Qatar and, and you know maybe in the future he'll come invest because of the experience that he had here. So to me, it was a very like nationalistic goal because it wasn't just an attack on Qatar; it was an attack basically on all Arabs. So to me, it was a it was a very important goal. You grew up abroad, right? Uh, I, I mean, I've, I've lived here for almost a decade, so yeah. I would say I, I grew up here since, yeah. uh, since I was 12 and I'm here. So um, it felt like, you know, it's time to give something back to the country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Farasha? Um, I think if you have made up your mind to 
to be somehow involved for FIFA, I'm happy for you. You've made the right decision. If you are one of those people who are still contemplating on it, do me a favor. And if you have the opportunity, please sign up to be involved in it however possible, whether to be a volunteer or like to be a supporting staff in any of other units associated with FIFA. Because as I've said in the beginning, I was not a person who was super excited in the beginning. But when I went for the experience, I know we all have been talking about the experience, and, but I know for a fact that our words cannot really justify our experience. And this is clearly is something that you will cherish literally for the rest of your life. And we talked about uh, a lot about meeting people and we don't, it's like especially Qatar is like a small country, relatively much smaller space. And the people that you interact with are completely different than the people who were here during the FIFA time. And what like what that helps you gain as a person, like Mahmoud talked about personal growth, and these are the, like those intangible things that, don't, that we don't really notice, but as we live through the experience and when it ends, I was in denial. I'm sure all of us were in denial when it ended, like, oh my God, like seriously, we were here for like 12 years and that's it. And I feel like there is a part of me who's still in denial. But this is an experience that you will cherish. And I was actually, when I finished the volunteering, when people asked me, how was it? And I told them this thing. I'm glad that I went for it because I missed it. I would not even know what I missed because nobody could even tell me in words like what I missed because it'll be just word for me and I would have no idea what I missed. So I would really encourage uh, for people to like somehow be involved in, you know, in FIFA, yes. Finally, Kita. Well, um I wouldn't like to repeat what was already said because it's quite fair and just. But on top of that, I remember just a couple of days before the World Cup started, we had a Georgetown dinner um, where all the faculty and, and the student body um, met. And um, Dean Mastery mentioned along his welcoming speech that you should see this as an opportunity to show the people who are coming that this is your home. And how, um, what are the reasons why this is your home? You decided your own self. Why are you related and close to, to Qatar? Um, and to be honest, I perceived it as, as, as a way for me to welcome these people in, our, in a country that has been our house for the past four years. Uh, whenever I go back home, I feel more alienated there than I feel here after, after all this time. And I think for everyone who gets to be present in a city or in a country where such big events are taking place. It's a way to, to serve as a bridge for you and those who come into the city, even if it has to do with the cultural aspect, um, um, with other ideas on, on identity uh, and what brings people together. It's an opportunity for you to facilitate that dialogue. And on top of that, also to have fun and grow as a person. There's nothing more beautiful than human interaction. And in such a stance where people are there to have fun and share their love for football, um, I think it's an amazing place to be. And as Farasha mentioned, it's an experience that you don't want to miss out on because you don't know what you'll be missing out on. But once you know, um, it's a memory you keep with you. And then you can um, tell your children, listen, do you know that at this year I was part of the World Cup <laughs> in my own neighborhood? So I think that's, um, that's just amazing that we got to experience and I would highly recommend it. That are beautiful final words. Thank you very much, Yeta, and thank you very much, Farasha and Mohammed and Mohammed. And we will keep continuing to reflect on the uh, World Cup 2022 in uh, yeah, our different activities uh, at the Center for International and Regional Studies uh, of Georgetown University, Qatar, in our lecture series, uh, blog, and podcast. All the best for all of you, and thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Professor.